ready to pump your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio on the world's most popular power hour, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. The Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and her sidekick, daughter, Heather Brittany, deliver lessons of success spanning the generations of the globe in their information-packed Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew. In other segments, Cynthia interviews real-life trailblazers, authors, and experts with the courage and vision who show you how to build a road to fulfillment through their unique books and services. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be informed and entertained. For your free lifestyle empowerment coaching session right here on the airwaves, turn up the volume, relax, sit back, and get ready to be inspired. Because Star Style, Be the Star You Are, starts right now. Well, hello there, Power Partners. Welcome to the Hour of Power. It is radio's finest star style, Be the Star You Are, our program of positive book talk. We bring you authors, we bring you experts, and, of course, information that help you excel in life. My name is Cynthia Bryan. I am always really thrilled to be your personal growth success coach here with you every week, hopefully bringing you thought-provoking information, pioneers on the planet, and authors that enthrall and excite. So you just get ready to pump your energy, love, learn, laugh, listen, and live your dreams through positive books and media. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Star Style Productions. So whenever you need help with acting, writing, presentations, media performance, or life challenges, there is only one number to call, 877-944-STAR. That's 877-944-7827. You can change your life and make your dreams come true. And this is a Miracle Moment by Alan Cohen, who was a guest on our show several times. Before you can find someone, you must be someone. Hmm, think about that. Uh, you know, you have to be before you do. Well, Heather Brittany is on a snow break today, so she'll rejoin us next week for our program. And we have a great lineup. I'm going to go behind the scenes of online dating, and you're then going to meet local hero Patty Anderson, who was a contestant on The Biggest Loser and is now the spokesperson for the Food Bank of Contra Costa and Solano. And finally, we'll take a look at World War II through the eyes of the New York Times bestselling novelist Sarah Blake with her just absolutely thought-provoking, spellbinding novel, The Postmistress. It is the week of love, and all across America, every February 14th, candy cards, flowers, jewelry are exchanged between lovers, all in the name of St. Valentine. Now, one legend contends that Valentine was a priest who served during the 3rd century in Rome, and when Emperor Claudius II decided that single men made better soldiers than those that had wives and families at home, I mean, I wonder why, he outlawed marriage for all young men. I mean, because why? That was his crop of potential soldiers. So Valentine, the priest, realizing the injustice of this decree, defied Claudius and continued to form uh, marriages for young lovers, and he performed those marriages and wedding vows in secret. And when Valentine's actions were discovered, Claudius ordered that he would be put to death. Valentine would be put to death. Thus begins the legend of St. Valentine, the, pra- the patron saint of lovers was born. So, of course, we are going to be talking about how love is the answer to all the questions. 
And speaking of love, I would love you to order a copy of my ebook, The Blessings of Love and Relationships. It's available only at the Star Style Store and at Amazon.com. At the Star Style Store, you can get the book by going to star-style.com and click on Star Style Store. And that way you'll get an autographed copy. Or if you are someone that just likes to go to Amazon, just go to Amazon.com and type in the name, The Blessings of Love and uh, Relationships by Cynthia Bryan. And I suggest typing the whole thing, The Blessings of Love and Relationships by Cynthia Bryan. It's really inexpensive, and it is a great inspirational read to increase the love in your life. So before we really get into those heart-shaped cards and the candy and all the fun stuff and online dating, I just have a couple of great quick announcements. Uh, Did you all receive the email uh, that said something like, yes, we've done it again this week. If not, check your spam file and then send me an email, Cynthia at star hyphenstyle.com, that's Cynthia at uh, star-style.com, because we are so honored to report that this program, Star Style Be the Star You Are, has been honored with an Arts Appreciation Award by God Star and great nonprofits for the positive broadca- bod- uh, broadcasting that we have been doing since 1998. So it's a really big deal. We've been on the air that long. And in addition, the charity that brings you the show, Be the Star You Are, a positive media and literacy charity to empower women, family, and youth, was once again saluted as a top-rated nonprofit. This is the second year in a row. And that's pretty cool for just a little small grassroots charity. So I salute all the volunteers. I thank all of our supporters. I graciously thank you, our listeners, and our World Talk Radio Voice America family, all of our radio guests who have contributed so valiantly to our programming, the syndicators, uh, and everyone who believes in our mission of to be a leader, you must be a reader. So we are growing people, and we thank you for keeping us fertilized and watered and, and loved. If you want to read more, go to bethestarur.org, or you can go to greatnonprofits.org and type in Be the Star You Are Charity, and you'll find it. Also, The 7th Annual National Essay Contest is now complete. We will be announcing the winner later this month, so stay tuned. You can visit StarStyleRadio.com, or you can just go uh, and visit BeTheStarYouAre.org, and you will find out who the the winner is. But, of course, we're going to announce it here live on StarStyle, BeTheStarYouAre before you will see it anywhere else. So now back to the love game. When I was just a freshman in college at UCLA, I was spotted on campus asked to audition for a very popular TV show at the time that was called The Dating Game. And after several callbacks, I did get a spot and was uh, on television charged with the challenge of choosing between three eligible bachelors who were shielded behind a wall. I couldn't ascertain their physical qualities or their inadequacies. And I made my choice completely based on the answers to the questions that I asked them. And what was unique in my, the way that I asked questions, I didn't do any questions in English. I asked in seven different languages. So it, we, I, obviously none of them spoke it, but uh, spoke any of these languages. But I just, it was a test. It was a challenge, right? 
much to the chagrin of my family, I did make my choice, and this I had chosen a star on the most popular TV show at that time. We were whisked away to Texas for an all-expense-paid date, you know, of course, along with a chaperone. And you would have thought that I would have swooned to Ben Gaga over him. I mean, he was a big star. But the fact was, we had absolutely zero uh, physical chemistry, although we did become fast friends, set each other up on dates. And all the while I attended the university at UCLA, uh, female friends were vying for his attention. Now, things have changed a little bit. Yes, dating shows are probably still kind of fun, but today's reality shows are absolutely disgraceful displays of spoiled brats who want the limelight and they delight in their 15 minutes of fame, albeit at the cost of their respectability. And today, with more people on Facebook than interacting face-to-face, working from home instead of going to offices or other businesses, the old-fashioned way of meeting people is quickly disappearing. So, yes, many lovers still do hook up in bars over too many alcoholic beverages, but more and more and younger and younger, people in search of love are heading to the Internet to find their one and their only. Now, the activity of online dating or online dating services is meant to provide Internet as a dating medium for all different ages of people. It's become the personal computer and the cell phones, they're the hardware that provides the opportunities. But you do have to give a lot of personal information. You have to fill out a profile, and then you search for people on the basis of criteria they set. There's a provision for uploading photos. There's online chat. There's webcasts. There's message boards. There's telephone chats for customers of the service provider. And What are some of the commonly observed trends that are regarding online dating these days? So I have a few statistics that I found quite interesting. Now, for all of you out there wondering if I personally am out there in the online dating, the answer is no, 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 no. I have been long-time married, although I know that just being married doesn't stop you from going online and looking for other kinds of love. But let's look at some of these statistics. Approximately 20 million people use online dating services. And the 20 million Internet users that visit dating sites are visiting at least once a month. Some of these 20 million users visit the sites more than once. And in the United States, 31% of the population either uses online dating service or at least know people who do. And I'm one of those people that know people who do. Uh, and I'll tell you a story after I've, I finish giving you the statistics of, um, of, of you know, colleagues and, and clients and people I know who are finding their mates online. In the year 2008, there were 120,000 marriages that took place that were directly attributed to online dating services. And the number of people who are finding their love online is just growing day by day. In the U.S., there's 58% of women and 48% of men are going online for dating. And per these statistics, it's found that men, this is a really interesting one, it really kind of shocked me, are more interested in women with high self-esteem, with positive outlook on life, as opposed uh, to those who are just like beautiful. They're really looking for people who are intelligent. doesn't mean they're, they're not interested in looks, but they have these other criteria first. 
And around 51% of the men who went for online dating, they had six dates in a year, while women only had four. And the online chatting statistics also are revealing some interesting information about the way an Internet user greets. Like words like hi and hello had an impact on the response. And what I found so interesting to this is that when people said, hey, what's up, or how's it going, they had a higher rate of response than if they just said hi or hello. And then in 2009, there were $350 million spent alone in marketing on the online dating services. And we don't have total statistics yet for 2010. Um, And among the Internet services, online dating is number one. It grows at an estimate of 10%. So, you know, if there are IPOs out there, it's probably something good to, uh, to invest in. But it also saw a rise in bogus accounts and a lot of scams. So you want to be careful of those free-to-subscribe dating sites because they are mainly responsible for the problems. And they become kind of -of out-of-control accounts that were created this year. 10% of them were bogus. So you could go and find out more about dating scams. And out of the total number of singles who seek online dating services, 33% managed to get into a relationship and of those remaining 66%, about a third lose hope, and a, another third keep going. So it really shows that a lot of single people are joining these sites in the hopes of finding a partner, but only a few can write presentable profiles and get the attention that they really need. So, hey, if you're out there and you want a really cool profile, you may want to hire a writer to write something for you because that whole thing of being intelligent and good-looking and educated and tall and attractive and intelligent, it's just very, very cliche. And the reason that why most profiles are so mundanely written is because anybody and anybody, you know, can write something. So words are all that we have, and to get somebody's attention, you really need to be a little bit witty. And you want to be safe. So so you want, here are a couple of of profile tips. If you're planning to register for online dating, it's a good idea to keep these things in mind. Be concise, sincere, and simple. Before you begin, make a rough draft. Plagiarisms may be allowed somewhere, but don't do it. That's crazy. And do you really want to know how to uh, grab somebody? Humor is really the essence of, of anyone's life. People like to laugh. Be cautious. Don't give out your address. Maybe you don't want to say too much about you. And when you do decide to meet, meet in a public place because the dangers are out there uh, on online dating, just like in anything else. And lying is one of the common things that people resort to. So don't think that who, what, who you're talking to might be the real thing. I have many friends who have met people online and who are happy, but they had to kiss a lot of frogs before they found their one and only. So be safe, be in love, be cautious, and celebrate a great Valentine's Day. But remember to be organized, and online dating is like anything else. You have to be cautious and listen to your gut. When I return from break, we're going to be talking to a contestant on The Biggest Loser, Patty Anderson, and she has turned her life into one of health and giving back as she speaks about healthy living and living on behalf 
of the Food Bank of Contra Costa and Solano. She's an inspiring hero. Stay tuned. I'm Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. I'll be right back with Patty. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Looking for unique, one-of-a-kind gifts for the special woman in your life? The Carmony Collection creates handmade handbags, clutches, candles, and canvases from vintage and recycled fabrics, bangles, and beads. Be eco-friendly and fashionable with prices for all pocketbooks. Visit www.carmonycollection.com. That's Carmony with a K and Collection with a K. Or call 925-785-7827. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Get a positive prescription for living and discover a cure for adversity when you make a difference in the lives of others by donating to Be The Star You Are, a 501c3 top-rated charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, positive media, and tools for living. www.bethestarur.org. All donations are tax-deductible. www.bethestarur.org. Be the lucky star. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. It's the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Now, back to the show with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Well, you are all the stars. Thank you for listening. We are here at Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and I am Cynthia Bryan. Well, every week, Be the Star You Are brings you the authors and experts that help you live a better, fulfilled life. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 charity with a mission to increase positive media, improve literacy, and offer tools for living, specifically for women, families, and youth. Make sure to make a donation today, org. Well, life is filled with divine synchronicities. Almost two decades ago, I coached a lovely young eight-year-old in an acting class, and today you're going to meet her inspirational mom, who is the spokesperson for the Food Bank of Contra Costa and Solano. As a member of the Feeding America Network, the Food Bank of Contra Costa and Solano partnered with the TV show The Biggest Loser to inspire people through the Pound for Pound Challenge to do something good for themselves and good for their community by pledging either to lose up to 50 pounds or to maintain a healthy weight. Patty Anderson is the Food Bank's Pound for Pound Challenge champion, and she was a contestant on The Biggest Loser. Welcome, Patty, to Star Style. Be the star you are. Hi, Cynthia. It's so nice to be with you today. It's so great to have you here. Thank you. And, uh, you know, congratulations for taking that step, and congratulations to your daughter, Stephanie, for helping you take the step and go on The Biggest Loser. Tell us about the experience. Well, it was a wonderful experience. Um, more than a quarter million people apply to join The Biggest Loser every year, 
and uh, Stephanie and I became uh, two of 22 fortunate people to be uh, selected to be on season nine in October of 2009. And uh, we had a public weigh-in at our home in Lafayette, um, and we knew that our life would change forever. And it so has. What, what was the difference? I mean, how was, um, how, how was your life changed forever? And I know that you had been, I mean, you, you said in your bio that you've been overweight since you were a child. In fact, you know, kids used to sing to you, uh, Patty, Fatty, and I mean, it's been very hurtful. So what really was the kicker that made you decide, okay, I have to take care of myself? Well, I'm a type 2 diabetic, have been for 20 years, and my life was just starting to uh, decline. Um, uh, I was on nine medications. Um, My quality of life was just not where it should be for a 55-year-old. Also, my father died suddenly at age 55 from heart, uh, heart disease, and I was on the same path. Um, this opportunity. And Patty, I'm going to break in just for a second because I'm, we're having a hard time hearing you here, and we really want our listeners to to hear your story because it is so motivational, inspirational. You know, I, so I don't know if you can turn up your volume or uh, well, get closer to your phone. speaker. We were on a but we're having a, a difficult time right. hearing you right now. Is that better? Can you Not hear me now? Yet, I don't know. I, I, yes, it's just a little bit difficult. It is a little bit difficult. I'll well, speak up We'll just then. go forward if, the, if there's nothing you can do on, on your end there. Okay. I don't think so. I think we have the volume up all the way. Is that okay. a little bit better? Okay. All right. So, so, so you have diabetes uh, for over 20 years. Right. And um, I was on nine medications. Um, although my husband and I love to travel, our, my lifestyle was just being compromised. Um, I run a company, and everything was being affected. So the opportunity came up, and we applied, and we were, um, we believe divine intervention came to us, and we were selected. And that first weigh-in at our home in Lafayette was just an eye-opener. It was the first time I, my belly had seen the light of day in 20 years, uh, and it was time to face, to face it and to do something about it. And this was a wonderful opportunity. And we... So what was it like to go on The Biggest Loser? It has to take great courage. I mean, you have to get down to, you know, your, your kind of your, your underwear, your, <laughs> your private, and show to all the world that you're overweight. But right. uh, how did you feel about that? Well, it is difficult because all these years... Um, I've tried to hide the fact um, of being overweight. You know, so you had to be brave, in other words. Pardon? I'm sorry? This was something, I mean, this took a lot of bravery to do. It did. It really did. But in, a, in another way, it was very liberating because I knew I had to do this, and I wasn't going to hide anymore. It was time to face the demon and make a change, a lifelong change. Well, I think what's so fascinating about your story, too, is that you and your husband, just so our listeners know, have been together since you were in eighth grade, and you've grown together, and obviously, you know, you love each other very much, and he's always been supportive of you, and I really loved it when I read something that you said, 
Now it was time for you to become the woman he deserved by being healthy. And that's what this Pound for Pound Challenge is all about, right? Oh, it certainly is. To get a healthy weight. The Pound for Pound Challenge is just a wonderful opportunity to not only help yourself, but help others. And what better... um, it's just a win-win situation. It's it's a wonderful thing. And, um, you know, it's amazing how many people in our community um, are struggling with hunger. And we just need this to, um, we need everyone to come on board, pledge. Everyone needs to lose a pound or two. And even if you don't need to lose weight, uh, you want to maintain your healthy weight, Um Pledge to maintain your healthy weight, and that's the equivalent of pledging five pounds of weight loss. So whether you have to lose weight or not, you can help the community. Okay, let's talk about that, because I was just so thrilled to connect with um, the food bank of Solano in Contra Costa and then to find out that you were part of it. And, of, of course, I have a you know a dear friend, Veronica, who was able to hook us up here, and I thought, this is just fantastic because we as a nation here in the United States, I think that we have just a lot, you know, we have, we're very overweight and we have a, a, a huge obesity problem. So this pound for pound challenge and giving 11 cents to feeding America, this is going to make a difference. So well, how is the Food is. Bank of Contra Costa and Solano engaged in this? Tell us your role and, and what you're doing. Well, I'm honored to be the pound for pound um, challenge champion, and whatever I can do, um, using my celebrity as being on the Biggest Loser, um, I'm willing to do. This is such a worthy cause, and it and it it doesn't take much. It just um, you know you just have to uh, commit to um, either losing weight or, or maintaining, and uh, it's on, you know, it's on, you don't have to get on a scale in front of all of America, but you do have to make that commitment, and um, it's just a win-win situation for everyone involved. So people can do this just to make it really simple, and by the way, we can hear you just great right now, oh, Patty. great. So I don't know what, what the change was, but something good happened, <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> So uh, so just so that we have it made simple is that people can go to pfpchallenge.com and they, pa- they pledge uh, how many pounds they want to lose. Is That's that correct? Right. And then those, um, however many pounds they lose, money will be donated to Feeding America. Is that how it works? That's exactly America. I mean, that's exactly correct. Um, it, all you have to do is pledge between now and May 31st, and um, you can go, as you said, to the pfpchallenge.com. You can also go to www.foodbankccs.org uh, to check out the events and how to become involved. Or you can also go to PFP uh, on Facebook and join and be updated with all of the information um, that they have there and how you can um, be involved. Well, and I want to just give the the letters. It's P as in Paul, F as in Frank, P as in Paul, challenge.com. And then I wanted to just go again a little bit and talk about the Food Bank of Contra Costa 
and Solano because it has been serving the community for over 35 years. And, you know, every month they're providing about 132,000 uh, hungry people. They give them their food. I mean, that is it's huge. Amazing, so isn't there's it? a lot of agencies that are helping and they're providing they're providing the necessities of life. So you want to get involved with the food bank and you want to give back and make some kind of donation. So what a wonderful thing, Patty, that is. you are struck me, becoming Cynthia. their champion here. Oh, thank you. But what really struck me is that, and I didn't know this, that one in six people living in Contra Costa and Solano County struggle with hunger, and one in three people receiving emergency food are children. See, and that's the sadness is that it's the kids. And if you don't have good nourishment and if you don't have some, some healthy choices, your body can't grow into the strong, able-bodied future person that you're meant to be. And, and you're so right. And it also, you know, people, I think, think that it's expensive to eat healthy. And it really isn't. You can, you can get um, purchase and make really good, nutritious food for, your, for you and your family on a budget. Um, it doesn't have to be expensive. Um, no, exactly. You just have to and have I think the you knowledge. You just have to learn that. And, and so we just we salute the Food Bank of Contra Costa and Solano and the food banks that are around America that are making a difference and feeding the hungry and especially the children. And a phone number if you'd like to get in touch with them and make a donation or donate food or volunteer, whatever you can do is 800-870-FOOD. can't be any easier than that, 800 870 Food and their website, Food Bank CCS, that's like cat, cat, and sam.org. So, uh, Patty, let's talk a little bit more about The Biggest Loser. It's one of the most popular shows on the air right now. And then there was such a great, uh, you know, something great that came out of it with your daughter, Stephanie, meeting the love of her life, Sam. Oh, Tell yes. us about the whole experience and how it's really changed your life for the better. Oh, everything about my life has changed. Um, um, my health, I'm taking one medication now instead of nine. Oh, that's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. I, um, According to the doctor at the end of the show, which was last May, I had regained 14 years of my life <gasps> by diet and exercise. I mean, how simple can it be? It's hard work. It's hard work whether you're at the ranch or at home. And I did this all at home because I was eliminated week two. Um, but I learned enough to come home, clear out my kitchen cabinets, and go shopping for food that I knew would be good for me. And then I started an exercise program. So just the fact that you were a contestant meant that you started making better choices. So it didn't matter. The elimination wasn't part, uh, didn't matter. I mean, it was the fact that you were on there and now you had a plan. Exactly. You have to have a plan. And, I mean, it was a drastic change in my life, you know, being taken away from my family, my business, and, and, and being, you know, basically sequestered at the ranch. Um, and it was. And how long were you sequestered, Patty? How long? I know that you, you know, you made it just a couple episodes, but how long was it pre-shooting? Actually, it was the day I arrived at the ranch. 
um, was, uh, which I believe was October 1st, was the first day of filming. And that was the first day that when we arrived, they took us up to the gym, and I thought we were going to meet Jillian and Bob. And there they had stationary bikes and told us we, all, we had to ride a marathon. Oh, my well, God. Cynthia, I hadn't been on a bike since I was 10. Yeah. So I had that. Did your heart I drop? was so scared and um, and just so out of shape and unhealthy. And Stephanie and I, and oh, and also there were going to, there were 11 couples and only nine would make it into the house. So that added to the stress. Mm. Stephanie and I were um, team number nine and we made it. Um, and I, in fact, you know, the, the first week uh, weigh in, I um, set a record for losing 23 pounds. Um, the most weight by a woman during week one um, of any season. That's but a, because that of that, huge. week two, I only lost four pounds, so that was the reason I was eliminated because, you know, you, your body does what your body does. Right. And, and so what was the difference of, you know, of when you look back in reflection, what did you do differently or was it that between the exercising and the new way of eating, the first week it just fell off and then as your body adjusted it took longer? Um, it takes a bit, right, the, the, the more you lose, the harder it is, but it's not, it comes down to mindset, you have to change your mindset or you can't change your life. Oh, and very good. And that it, is what really, they teach you. Uh, it's really about discipline too, isn't it? You have to have determination, you have to be perseverant. And, and you have you to change your life. You really you had to want it. You had to get to that place that right. you just knew if you didn't change your life, something bad was going to happen. Well, the doctor on the show told me, um, I if if I didn't change anything, something catastrophic was going to happen within five years. Well, and here you are, you know, the head of a huge company that's really. It's a really a male-dominated industry that right. you're in. Exactly. And you needed to be healthy. Plus, you have your children and your husband who you love. I do. And, and uh, you know, everything happens for a reason. I, um, I was sad that I was eliminated when I was, but then I had the opportunity to be home when Pamela got engaged. And um, so I was there for her when, when all her happiness began. And, 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 and I'm going to be around for a long time. And now Stephanie and Sam are engaged. We just so we have a fabulous so many wonderful year for you to look forward to. You have so much to look forward to. And right and, now, and now I'm, you're going to be campaigning for this pound for pound uh, challenge that's and right. hopefully it's, help the food bank of Contra Costa and Solano get funds that they can feed the thousands of people that they feed just here locally. And, you know, again, across America, it doesn't matter where you are, you want to get involved with this pound-for-pound challenge and take your health into your own hands because it is up to us to be responsible for our own living and our own lives. So let's give out the websites again. I want to make sure that everybody gets all the websites and uh, Patty. Okay. Food Bank of uh, Contra Costa and Solano. That's right, www.foodbankccs.org. And you can also call 800-870-FOOD if you would like to make a donation. And then the Pound for Pound Challenge, let's give that out as well. Of course, www.pfpchallenge.com. 
And again, just to remind you all, for every pound that you pledge, the Pound for Pound Challenge is going to donate 11 cents to the Feeding America, and then they will distribute this to the different food banks throughout the United States. And this is Patty Anderson. She is the Pound for Pound Challenge champion of the Food Bank of Contra Costa and Solano County. And we are just thrilled for you, and I am just so happy to know that you are healthy right now and that the family is doing so well. Thank you. We really are. And I I just hope that your listeners will um, join us in this, um, in pledging um, weight loss. And, you know, they'll be helping themselves and they'll be helping so many other people. Well, and that is it. I mean, the life they save could be their own, right? That's right. (laughs) It is. So take Patty Anderson's advice. And, by the way, she is the president of Anderson Movers, Movers and and she is the Pound for Pound Challenge Champion for the Food Bank of Contra Costa and Solano. Well, give my best to everyone. This really is a fairy tale, a fairy tale ending for all of you. And I know that you've got a great year to come. And also, you have a long life now, Patty. I know. I'm very excited. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And. And thank you to your listeners for donating to the uh, food bank. We really appreciate it. Well, you know, we all have to give back, and feeding people is important. But all of you out there, get healthy. So thank you so much, Patty, for coming on our show, sharing your story of being on The Biggest Loser and being the Pound for Pound champion. Everyone, please go to foodbankccs.org or pound for pound challenge.org. That's right. And I am Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. And when we come back, we're going to go across the seas. We're going to be in World War II. It's going to be about being in the whole blitz of England and then back in Massachusetts with New York Times bestselling novelist Sarah Blake. Come with us. Come with us on this journey. I'll be right back. Do not go away. you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop take world talk radio on the go and listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market are you living your dreams want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person you'll turn your passions into profits visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR that's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827 Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side www.cynthiabryan.com you can be the star you are follow the world talk radio network on twitter we're at world talk radio you'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows this week's featured guests and general happenings that you should know about at the world talk radio network now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office just go to twitter.com forward slash world talk radio or follow along with us at world talk radio the world talk radio network we're on the cutting edge of social media can you keep up
World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's power party time on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Well, thank you for joining us here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where the world comes to talk and listen, and we bring you the authors with stories that intrigue, inspire, and definitely make us think, I am Cynthia Bryan. The Siren's Call of a War Over There by broadcaster Frankie Bard sends Dr. Will, a newlywed from a small town in Massachusetts, to sail to London to help in the blitz of World War II. Sarah Blake's novel and New York Times bestseller, The Postmistress, asks the question, how do we bring the war home and how can we respond to something that doesn't affect us personally? Welcome, Sarah, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Oh, thank you. It's so good to be here. Well, you know, it's interesting how your novel made me think. Today I had to go to my post office box. I Uh also am in a small town where we have postmasters. Uh, I know that there's no postmistresses, according to what you're saying, but where there are men and women that are postmasters to retrieve my mail. And there in my box were two letters and an invoice that were addressed to somebody else. Now, Normally, I don't even think about it. Obviously, somebody, you know, had put it, the mail in the wrong box. And usually when it happens, I just repost it. But today, with your novel fresh in my mind, it gave me pause. You start your novel off with Frankie Bard asking that question. What would you think of a postmistress who chose not to deliver the mail? Such an interesting moral question. So tell us about the scenario, how you arrived at it, why you started like this. What made you even think about it? It's a question I actually never thought about. <laughs> yes, well, I was living in a um, small town on the other side, on the, on the east coast in, in uh, Cape Cod. And um, in, in the winter, it's a very small town, and, there's a, and the post office is the kind of hub of news and, and everything. And I kept thinking about the woman who delivered our mail and I thought to myself is she reading our postcards because she could and if so is she keeping our secrets and so the idea of um, a woman at the center of a small town and, and the ways in which the news that she that would go through her um, just started to fester a little and then I had a, an image of a woman who just decided not to, to pocket a letter instead of delivering it and um, once I realized that that was going to be the beginning of a novel, I decided to set it um, during World War II because it needed to, when losing a letter, um, it needed to be set at a time when that would matter, when a story could rise up out of that kind of silence, when you couldn't just check up on it with email or, or um, the phone. And so I just kind of, um, the novel just grew and grew, and um, the town grew up around Iris James, this very upright postmistress and um the the couple whose letter she decides not to deliver um they came into being and then because i was because it was 2001 and 2002 and i was very interested in this gray period that we were in before well, we actually went into we had iraq 11 and you were actually 
You, you were living in Washington at the time, right? That's right. So you were part That's of right. it. Yeah, and so sort of my own time screw up around me, and I felt I thought that it would be I wanted to write a war novel that took place off the battlefield. So Frankie Bard, who is the third character, who is a, a war correspondent, um, is reporting from the Blitz, which was a time before we Amer- the Americans were involved in the war, but Europe was fully in, and so this period that was, what were we doing as Americans, how do we take in the news about what's happening over there, Um, and all centering around what would you do if a a letter um, didn't make it into your hands, How what what happens when news happens but you don't necessarily hear of it. So all those questions I was asking. Well, you know, it, it is a very timely, although it's taking place in World War II, because so many people today, I mean, you know, obviously most people today are not, have not lived through World War II. They may be mm-hmm. children of, or children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren of that. But with the Internet and with this immediate uh, correspondence that we have, we, one doesn't remember that it took two weeks or three weeks for right. letters to cross the ocean. So there was no instantaneous knowledge of what was going on anyway. And I found it very interesting, too, just even the whole idea of humanity, how different it was then. You have the chapter beginning in your book with Iris going to the doctor in another town so she can get this letter to show that she is still a virgin so that when she gives herself to the man that she loves, she can present him with this wonderful certificate uh, that, you know, that she is still intact. That's that right. Such a, it, it just painted such a picture of the times. Well, and, that, and, and also just of, of her. I mean, that was, um, I didn't realize that's what she was going to be doing until I was in the middle of the scene. And, and so in many ways, Iris kind of announced herself, somebody who would not only at some point withhold a letter, but also who would, in the, on the other hand, put her faith in a clean white piece of paper to say, you know, I am intact and give it to the, the man that she loves, was just such an odd and um, completely idiosyncratic kind of characteristic that it was she became this wonderful character to try and follow. Well, and on top of that, she was so juxtaposed upon the people who were living through the Blitz in London and the lovers who were trying to just grab that little piece of heaven that they could because they had no idea whether they would be um, alive in the morning. That's and right. that, yeah. to me, was was just a fascinating piece of writing. Oh, that's, that's great. I mean, thank you. And, and the thing about the Blitz that I think is so um, sort of compelling, too, is just that notion that um, that was the, the sort of first time, I think, in, in Europe um, where the war had, you know, was in civilian terrain. I mean, I think nowadays we take it for granted that war has gone way past the trenches and it's off the battlefield. It's often in, in people's backyards and on their roofs. But that was the Blitz and the Spanish Civil War was the first time where um, civilians were really involved in, in, in a way that had not been seen before. And I think Frankie's realization that... There is no protective curtain between you and the war when you're walking around. And, and that was something that I, I very much wanted to convey as well. I mean, totally did. I, I, of course, being in radio as I have been since 1998 and being also always a broadcaster and reporter, I was absolutely devoted and in love with Frankie Bart. 
Oh. And I'm so glad that you made a female correspondent because there were so very few during that time. It was totally a male-dominated world. And I oh, love absolutely. that you put in um, Edward Morrow in there, who is, you know, just an icon. But what really grabbed me was her fearlessness and how she wanted to go and walk with the people, and the fact that you had her, even though the recording you know, instruments had not been discovered in the time period you put it, it was a couple of years later, it still just propelled the story. How, all she wanted to do was record the voices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, to and me, it, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking because these are real people experiencing extreme, extreme hardship. And here we are over in America believing it's not coming to us, and oh, they're, why aren't the people just going away? Why aren't they just getting on trains or getting on boats? And no one here realized the catastrophe that was happening. Yes, exactly. And, and I, do, I think that one of Frankie's sort of great um, epiphanies, and it, it also in some senses renders her speechless, though, is that um, she, in finding, in, in following these families and these refugees, I mean, she's discovering that, She's confronted with a story that she can't tell that's so much larger than just a news um, story that, that, that the sort of um, that voices in the end are all that really can speak truly about what is what is happening. And so in some senses it it, it renders her speechless and, and, and she leaves the war because, because of what she sort of discovers in following these, these voices around. But I feel, you know, for, for me just even when I read the list of names, you know, from Casualties of war, things. I mean, there there is a, a, a very profound um, sort of uh, certitude about names and voices that you don't know the narratives, but there they are. These are the people who lived and who died. And well, and, and um, you've just you've just said it, Sarah. Is that they they are real people with families, yes. with feelings, with with jobs, with you know dreams and hopes and aspirations. And in that time period, either. We as a nation or we as a world shut our eyes to the plot of what was going on to the Jews because it was like this couldn't possibly be happening. It must be, it must be just crazy. And yeah. so you have done just enormous amount of research to really put a voice in a very real way that sucked us, at least sucked me in, that I was there. You know, I was walking on the, I was in the train station. I was there when Thomas got shot. I mean, I was there oh. when the, the little boy blew up. Uh, and not he blew up, but when the mother blew up and the, he had to uh-huh. witness the fact that uh-huh. his mom was n- not there for him. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and the other thing was is that there were no endings. There wasn't right. like a happy ending to right. the stories because even with Otto, we don't know. Did his wife get out of, out of the camp? We don't know. Right, right. So right, and I think what? and I think that idea that there's no beginning, middle, and ending—it's not so neat as a story. It's in the not end. neat. Yeah. That's what—that's exactly it. It's not neat. It's not compact. You can't wrap it in a bow and say this is the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this tell us about how the postmistress. And by the way, for for listening out there, this is uh, we're interviewing uh, Sarah Blake here, who has this incredibly wonderful, just very thought-provoking. Uh, I, I, page-turning novel, The Postmistress, and the characters are so well-defined, and you just find yourself in each of these characters as a little bit. I loved your character of Harry Vale. I loved his staunchness, <laughs> his belief in what he, who he was. 
How did the, the characters just develop for you? Well, um, in some ways, the, their situations kind of describe them. I mean, Iris came very quickly because, as I said, because she does this thing where she holds back a letter. But um, Emma and Will, the, the newlyweds, um, I knew that they were um, going to be people whose lives were going to be um, altered utterly by the course of the novel. So I wanted to, I was interested in especially uh, Emma, who's an orphan, who is looking for somebody to um, sort of be the overseer. And so in some ways she would come under the protection of Iris, who is at the center of the town. Frankie Bard very much came into being because I was reading a lot of um, the great war reporters. I was reading Martha Gellhorn and, and Claire um, um, Claire Booth Luce and, and just reading and, and listening to the voices of, of that time period and getting their, their sort of um, diction uh, down. And, and Harry... When I heard, when I was doing research, and I, I heard that there were these um, men who were World War One veterans along the coast who really were sure that um, the U-boats were going to come and land way earlier before, um, before, long before Pearl Harbor, I became interested in them. These, you know, these men who clearly would be the object of some, um, you know, ridicule or, or sort of gentle laughter, but were dead set that um, they but needed to be on the watch. Correct. And that was true, and it was true, because, in fact, the U-boats were right there. And, and, I mean, when you wrote at the end of your novel how, and, of course, it's, you know, it's common knowledge if you read any of the reports from that era, is that U-boats came right into New York Harbor and were just yeah. watching people walking yeah. along the, the, the cave there. Yeah. Um, yeah. People had no idea. They just didn't believe that it could happen. And that's why the song Over There was so popular. It was always over there. It wasn't right. here. But right. now we have a different perspective. So I look at this, too, and I really think that we have to look at where we are today. I mean, although you have said it in the uh, 1940s, early 1940s, it really is a testimony to what we're going on today in our world, that there are still, you know, massacres going on and wars and conflicts, and yet are we turning a blind eye? What are we, you know, what are we doing? Are we living our lives every day? Are we, what, what can we do as a populace to be involved? Yeah, no, exactly, and that was very, very much what I, I wanted to sort of set in motion in creating these characters, because it was a question that was very active. It is very active for me. I mean, especially, you know, right now, what's going on in Egypt, just like while we're talking. Oh, is my goodness, exactly. completely historical, and so, again, I think um, in some ways, because we get our news so fast and so in, in such an unmediated way, it becomes even more important to try and... Like, just really, what does it mean to pay attention to this, and what does this ask us to do? And and I think, you know, not just getting the news, but really taking it in is the, is the I think, in a way, is the challenge, because we all can say we know what happened, but what does that mean? And, and, and how does that, um, you know, how does that affect us? I think in some ways World War II, you know, the whole country... Um, that was the the culture you turned toward. I mean, after once they had gotten into the war, after this period of ambivalence in 1940. But once we were in the war, we were really in. And I feel this is, it's we we don't have that um, at all these days. Well, in this and country, I think now I think, that we are every you know everything is so close. The world has become so small that we really have to be more astute. And as uh, as would have been said in your book, we have to pay attention. Right, I Pay think so. attention, and that is 
is what the reporter, you know, wanted to say or was saying over and over and over again. So listen to the words of Frankie Bard. Pay attention. Let's give out your website because Sarah is also the author of Grange House and Full Turn. The book we're speaking about today is The Postmistress. And you can go to sarahblakebooks.com. Is that where you'd like people to go? That's right. That would be great. Yep. sarahblakebooks.com. She's on a book tour. Look for her at your your favorite bookstore. She may be there speaking, and you could get an autograph. Well, Sarah, we'll look forward to your next uh, your next novel. It's oh, just, thanks. This is a wonderful, wonderful uh, testament, I think, to what we all need to know and what we all need to take inside of us to be alert and to be involved, to care, and most of all, to pay attention. Oh, thank you so much. That's it's such a great, uh, it's a great compliment to hear. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah, for being a guest here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, the postmistress. Well, I am Cynthia Bryan. That's it for today. I really am glad that you joined us. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org, make a donation, help women, families, and youth, and celebrate every day. This may be the last. We never know what we have. But I hope I'll hear you and see you and talk with you next week. I am Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. Until we chat again. Be well. Be happy. Thank you for being part of our star galaxy on today's episode of Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We hope you've enjoyed the commentary and are motivated to dream big, overcome obstacles, and realize your potential. For further information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. Join our power party next week right here on World Talk Radio as Cynthia Bryan, Heather Brittany, and the pioneers of the planet pump up the energy with positive, uplifting, life-changing radio. Until then... Be the star you are. You.